I'm Neil Carter, the pastor at Rocky River Presbyterian Church. Thank you for joining us through our podcast. And let me extend a personal invitation as well to join us at RRPC in person Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. This season in the church is a rather odd time. We call it ordinary time, a time where there is no real special celebration like Advent, Christmas, or Easter. Some find it difficult to speak of time and faith as ordinary. But if you think about it, we have a lot of ordinary days in our lives. Even still, God is the God of special days, and God is the God of ordinary days. So come journey with us. May you be renewed and empowered, comforted, and challenged as we listen to and for God's Word together today. Hi, I'm Neil Carter, the pastor at Rocky River Presbyterian Church, and thanks for joining in to our sermon podcast today. We hope you find God's love, grace, and challenge as you listen to and for God's Word. The New Testament lesson this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 32 through 35. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, you know, when you're out and about, you're talking to people, you meet them, you meet new people for the first time, and in the matter of the conversation process, folks just tend to ask each other somewhere along the line, what do you do for a living, right? That just comes up. Well, in my case, I tend to hesitate sometimes what I'm about to tell them because you just you you just don't know how people are going to respond when you say, well, I'm a minister or that or or like. And and here's why. David Kinnaman of the Barna Group, it's an evangelical kind of research organization. They do uh, research on on just, I don't know, churchy things, I guess. Is that a word? Churchy? Uh, That's close enough. But they, it's an organization that they do, they do research about the church. And he has a book out, David Kinnaman, uh, called Unchristian, What a New Generation Really Thinks About Christianity. Well, here's what his study came up with about what young folks think about present-day Christianity. Uh, 91% believe that we're homophobic. 87% believe that we are judgmental. believe we are hypocritical. (laughs) This is going really well so far for us, isn't it? 78% think we're old-fashioned. I don't know what that means. Uh, 75% mean we're uh, believe we're too political. 72% believe we're out of touch with reality. That may or may not be true, but 70% believe that we're insensitive to other people, and 68% believe we're boring. And, and I would give them the boring part on, on my, my behalf. I'll, I'll give them that. But you can see why I'm a little hesitant, because I glance around at people in a room when I walk into, and I'm going, okay, I don't know all these people. 
but I'm stunned to think this is what they think of me. This is what they think of us as Christians. Kinnaman indicates this. He said, it would be, I love this line, it would be hard to overestimate how firmly people reject and more importantly, feel rejected by Christians. It's hard to overestimate how firmly people feel rejected by us. Most have this initial impression so that, that I am or that we are insensitive to others because of our faith. But you know, people haven't always felt that way about the church and about the faith. After that initial period, you know, that we talked about last week in the gospel where, boy, they're, they're really confused about the resurrection. They weren't quite sure what was going on and they leave the, tent, the, they leave the tomb in, in silence and in fear. That first Easter morning so long ago, despite threats from the religious and from the government authorities of their day, Luke told us in Acts what Candace read today. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. So, yeah, that's correct. The first Christians were communal people. In the truest sense of the definition, they were communists. They held everything in common. With great power, we're told by Luke, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them for as many as owned lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. To the shock of the community around the early church, these untrained, ordinary people who came from many different walks of life, all different kind of folk, they proclaimed the Easter message. They proclaimed the hope of the empty tomb with courage and boldness. And Luke's depiction of these early Christians identify them in, in really simple terms. Unity and generosity. Their social generosity expressed itself in their community. They were together and they took care of each other. And their financial generosity expressed itself in the compassion. Anybody in need, we're going to take care of them. This is the product of Easter. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and a great grace was upon them all. So as Jesus broke down this barrier to death with new life, the result of Easter was that these early Christians, these Easter people lived out this resurrection hope in a very simple way. They broke down their social barriers with no regard for these religious taboos around them. Because of the resurrection in Christ, they just throw all these social norms to the wind. They distinguish, they quit distinguishing each other as 
you're clean or you're unclean, you're Hebrew, you're Gentile, you're worthy, you're unworthy, the respectable, the unrespectable. In the one Sunday school class I was in this morning, we were talking about communion and how it used to be that the table was fenced and the pastor and the elders would decide if you were worthy or not to take communion. And if you didn't get a token, you didn't get to come to the table. I can't live under that kind of pressure. I can't tell you, you know, I just couldn't do that. So, but they knocked down those norms and they said, here, we're taking care of everybody. Luke simply says it this way. They were one in heart and in mind. They knock over these normal social hierarchies of wealth and ethnicity, religion and gender in favor of this radical impartiality that God gives them through the resurrection hope for each other. Paul told the Galatians this. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's neither Jew or Greek or slave or free or male or female. For you all are one in Jesus Christ. Even a century later, the early Christians, a hundred years after all this has gone on, they're known for their social generosity. They build bridges for the community and not walls. As a matter of fact, the early church father, his name was Tertullian. He lived in the second century. He wrote this about the church, about who they were. Our care for the derelict and our active love has become our distinctive sign before the enemy. See, they say how we love one another and how ready we are to die for each other. Even their enemies said that about them. Three centuries later, the Emperor Julian the Apostate, who was radically opposed to the Christian faith, stripped the Christians of their rights and their privileges, acknowledges this. The godless Galileans, Christians, feed not only their own poor, but ours also. Those who belong to us look in vain for help that we should render them. That's the emperor saying that. He said, the Christians even help our folks. They're looking to us for help and we're not giving it to them, but the Christians give it to them. A couple generations later, after what Luke had to say, the theologian Justin Martyr said, those who once delighted in fornication now embrace chastity alone. We who once took most pleasure in accumulating wealth and property now share with everyone in need. We who hated and killed one another and would not associate with men of different tribes because of their different customs. Now, since the coming of Christ, live familiarly with them and pray for our enemies. Because of the resurrection of Christ, they share with one another in need. Those who were hated one another, now they pray for each other. Those who would not associate with others because they were different, live in unity and pray for those who are different. It's like Tertullian said, the distinctive sign before the enemy is their care 
and their active love for one another, even when they're different. Brooke was this great kid. He grew up in this small town. He was involved in everything in town. I mean, he was an Eagle Scout. He was cross-country runner. He was in the chorus in the high school. He was in theater in town. He performed often at the local retirement community. He would go and and this uh, a lady there would sing, uh, would play piano for him, and he would sing for them, and he would do all these kind of things to reach out to the retirement community that was large there and there in that town. He even took lessons and played the pipe organ. Incredibly bright. He, well, he was really, really bright, but he turned down going to Duke to, for some school up in Massachusetts called Harvard or something. I'd never even heard of it. But, but. But that's uh, one strike against him. <laughs> but other than that, great kid. He went to seminary to become a minister. Brooke was the kid that you really, really wanted to have around. And I enjoyed being his pastor. Amazing, amazing young man. His parents were proud of him. He was everything to them. When Brooke went to college, before he went to seminary, but Brooke went to college in, in Harvard, he told his parents he was gay. And they just disowned him. They just disowned him. Wouldn't have anything to do with him at all. They just wouldn't have anything to do with him whatsoever. But here's the interesting thing that happened. That congregation, mixed congregation, just like our congregation, like every Presbyterian congregation, all over the theological map, all over the political map, everywhere. But that church in that small provincial town where everybody knows your business and then some about you. That congregation said, oh, no, no, no. They stepped up. Even those who were troubled by the whole issue of sexuality, they surrounded him with generosity and compassion, and they basically said, you're ours. You belong to us. You're here. You've been baptized in this church. And where his family shut him out, the church put their arms around him and said, we're going to care for you, and we're going to care for you in any way we can. And here's what happened after that with that congregation. They had a number of people in the choir who were college kids because the college was right down the street. And so they started to show intentional care and compassion for a number of those college students who brought all kinds of issues with them to church because of their family situations, just because of life in general, and that's what people tend to do these, way, these days. But they were there for them, although those kids couldn't offer anything other than themselves singing in the choir. Tertullian said it this way, our care for the derelict, our active love has become our distinctive sign before the enemy. See how they say we love one another and how ready we are to die for each other. Luke tells us this way. The whole group, the whole group of those who believed were one in heart and soul. Great power of the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them. In resurrection hope this day. May we, 
Rocky River Presbyterian Church, recapture that witness of those who were first gathered around Lord Jesus Christ because of great grace was with them all. May it also be with us and demonstrate overflowing generosity to our neighbors and consequently so that no one may be in need of any kind. Our care for the derelict, our act of love may become our distinctive mark for even our enemies, that they may say, boy, those people over there at Rocky River Presbyterian Church love one another, and they're willing to go to the mat for each other. Tertullian called that the church's distinctive mark today in Resurrection Hope over against all those things that people may think about what we are and who we are, judgmental, judgmental, hypocritical, too political, out of touch with reality, insensitive to others. Let's surprise them. Let's just surprise them. Surprise them with our care for each other and our active compassion for each other. And may that be our distinctive mark in the resurrection hope of Christ. Thanks be to God. This is Neil Carter thanking you once again for listening to our podcast at Rocky River Presbyterian Church. You can also visit us at our website, complete with our online donations for those wishing to give. Come check us out at our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter. Or if you're in the Harrisburg, North Carolina area, feel free to drop in and visit us in person. Thanks again for being with us today.